This is John Cackley for Eccentric Biz and Tech Talks. With most of us still sheltering in place, today's podcast remains timely for organizations everywhere, talking about the implementation and adoption of Microsoft Teams to enable remote workforces. Jennifer Jackson is our moderator, and she is joined by our panelists, Michael McNett, Venus Maximiuk, and Phil Swettenham. My name is Jennifer Jackson. I'm going to be your moderator today. So first, I just want to introduce our speakers to you. First, we've got Michael McNett. He's our Office 365 and Teamwork Lead. Leads clients through Teams, helping them understand their needs, identifying ways to implement Teams practically, and leveraging those tools to the, the best that they can while also maintaining the security and governance and OCM best practices. Next is Venus Maximus. She is Senior Solutions Architect, Microsoft Certification Extraordinaire. If you ask her, she'll tell you that modestly that that she has a few Microsoft certifications. Word on the street is that maybe she's missed less than 10 questions in her lifetime on the certifications or zero. I don't know. It's it's all a myth. We're not we're not exactly sure. Venus specializes in Office 365 Modern Workplace. She focuses on enterprise mobility and security. Finally, we have Phil Swetnam. He is our go-to people and change expert for Office 365 and Teams. Has an extensive background with organizational uh, change management, strategic planning, training, all of the good stuff that is surrounded with implementing new technologies and adoption and consumption. Phil also has a really cool accent and in his free time enjoys river dancing. I'm just kidding. Quickly, we can go over the agenda here. As I mentioned, we're going to give you guys a quick overview of Microsoft Teams, talk about what rapid deployment of Teams looks like for a remote workforce, cover increasing employee adoption, and then also, how do we maintain company culture and engagement, especially uh, when many of our workers are no longer going to be in an office space with one another? And then finally, we're going to get to our Q&A session. So, Mike, go ahead and kick it off. All right. As far as the, the Office 365 environment, and Microsoft Teams obviously is a focus of our attention today. We are definitely interested in understanding where our audience is at, and that way we can target our communications a little bit more. So at this point, Jennifer has opened up the poll. The question is, what's your experience with Office 365? We've got 60% at the we're starting to use Teams. Then we've got coming in second, 19% have widely deployed Teams. 15% are using email and OneDrive SharePoint, and then 6% are not using Teams right now. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good indication for our audience, and that will help uh, Phil, Venus, and myself drive some of our conversations today. And uh, it just gives us a good idea of what to cover a little bit more in depth. And because it sounds like most of the people on the audience do have a good understanding of what is Teams essentially. Uh, we're just gonna cover this very briefly. A lot of our companies prior to this pandemic has just been building out Microsoft Teams in order to enable their workforce most of the time in a physical location. And they weren't really thinking too much as far as remote workforce. Some of them were, but now everyone's talking about how can I actually use this Microsoft Teams in order to enable my my remote workers. So most of the people on the, the, the call today understand how this could be used in that remote workforce enablement. But bottom line is being able to have those chats, those meetings, those video conferences that tries to mimic what you had in the physical uh, workspace. So instead of having to go from cubicle to cubicle and just talk to your friend, your colleague, now we want to leverage that that same type of need that our workers have, but through the use of Microsoft Teams. So at Centric, we've been using Microsoft Teams now for about 18 months, and we've been off, using Office 365 a significant amount of time as well. And I'll tell you that this has significantly changed the way people operate in Centric, but Centric itself has been a remote workforce since its very inception. So this has just been a really nice uh, transition for our workers 
because we're already doing the, the remote work stuff. Now it's just using a tool that better enables that. And as far as how to actually deploy that, I know some of the people that are on the call today, that is a main interest that you have. So Venus is going to cover the topic of how you can actually use these tools in a very rapid manner. Venus? Thanks, Mike. Good morning, everyone. So as you can see, um, there are a couple of ways that um, you can start using Teams today. If you don't have an Office 365 tenant today, um, you can connect with a Microsoft partner like Centric. A partner can help you deploy a Teams trial, which is free and good for six months for you to use. What you get with this trial is an Office 365 tenant, obviously Teams, and the supporting services behind the scenes like SharePoint Online and OneDrive for Business. Whether you are new to Office 365 or you already have an Office 365 tenant, but you haven't deployed Teams yet, we will help you configure your tenant so that you can get started with Teams without needing to worry about what needs to be enabled or disabled. And whether you uh, already have an existing tenant or not, we know that users adopt changes differently. So Mike and Phil will cover these aspects in the next coming slides. What we recommend is that you start with the core functions of Teams that include um, chats, meetings, calls, um, file sharing, and lastly, a support staff to answer you know, most common questions like, how do I start a conversation with a colleague? Or how do I share a file in a conversation? And this can be as simply as directing the users to use the built-in help already provided by the Teams client itself, which are basically short 30-second videos. Or, you know, those um, the support staff can provide the white glove treatment for some of your users. What we also recommend is that you want to start small. You could start with an organizational-wide team, as well as two to three critical teams, depending on your business needs. As you roll out teams, there are other components that you also want to think about. These include things like audio conferencing. This will allow you to um, join teams meeting with a regular phone, not needing the team's client. And don't forget about security. Just because we are self-isolating, it doesn't mean that spammers or bad actors will stop taking advantage of this situation. You can implement some security measures, starting with, you know, like enabling the second factor authentication, for example. And if you don't have your mailboxes in Exchange Online today, you can still use um, all of the features of Teams with the, you know, a couple of exceptions. But the, the trial version of Teams that uh, Microsoft made available, it includes the ability for you to use the Meet Now, the video and the audio calls where, you know, you can still call the users inside of Teams. With that, I'm going to turn it back to Mike. All right. Uh, the bigger challenge among most organizations, I truly believe, and this is based on 18 months experience working with our, our different clients, one of the biggest challenges is this adoption piece. And many of the people on the call, I'm sure, will attest that just because you build it and set it out there doesn't mean necessarily that people are going to come. And as you know, it, even if you force them saying you must use this tool, if you don't do a good adoption approach to this, people are just going to go back to their old way of doing business and they're going to fall back to their email systems. And think about most emails, right? Most people's email right now is probably overflowing anyway. And add to that those other types of conversations that people would have in the general physical uh, workplace that we used to have. Now it, that is also being inserted into your email and cluttering up all of your information and people just become... Uh, more confused and not as efficient. Whereas if you can place those types of conversations into your team's environment, the better off everyone will be. And the other thing is from the leadership side, how managers will encourage the use of teams. Phil's gonna talk about that more, but I wanna highlight that it's not just for business. You should encourage the use of teams to mimic uh, that same type of an engagement that your employees have today. 
that water cooler talk and just stopping by somebody's office and asking how the family is doing. And if you think about it in today's world, we have an even bigger need for that. And with people that are even more isolated and they, and they can't get out to all the do all the things that they used to do, this is an, a, a great way to encourage um, people to still connect, albeit virtually, but at least they have a little bit more sense of normalcy in today's really strange world by being able to see people's faces, be, by being able to hear their voices, it, it definitely helps um, in, in that, those challenges. Leaders definitely be involved and they have to be actively involved and lead by example. As soon as your leaders start using their emails for more conversational things and basic meetings, your adoption rate on your Microsoft Teams for your remote workers is gonna just go down. So get your leaders involved. If you see a leader out there who's not uh, abiding by this, talk to them. Say, we really need to, this, to get people into the Teams environment. So move those conversations off your email, put them into Teams. And then lastly, just communicate. Just communicate often. You cannot over-communicate in, in this case. Let your people know what Teams is for, why it's there, but also make sure they understand that there are some limits. You're deploying this very rapidly in order to enable that, that remote worker. It's not necessarily to solve all of the collaboration and communication needs of your organization. You're getting it out there to enable them in the near term. And part of that is the change in behavior. And that is definitely another significant uh, area that you need to focus on. And that's what Phil's gonna talk a little bit more about. Thank you, Mike. So we're going to talk some more about some of the social aspects of what it takes to really work remotely. And obviously, you know, our world's changed in the last you know, month for all of us globally, as we're all now facing you know, this corona crisis that we're dealing with right now. You know, personally, I expect this is just the beginning. Um, if any of you saw the Wall Street Journal article that was published last week, uh, there was a very interesting article where they were talking about different scenarios that may come up. And the speculation is this will permanently change the way that we work. Uh, I mean, to me, yes, the coronavirus is a, is a catastrophic thing we're all facing. But in many respects, I think it's just accelerating what was already coming. Uh, there was a study published recently uh, by the Global Workplace Analytics Study, and it was actually based on some information that came out of the last census. And they said that 3.6% of current American employees are working remotely. By 2028, it's expected to be 78%. So we have a huge trend coming. And there's some lessons learned about how we can implement this. You know, at Centric, we've been a virtual company now for 20 years. Um, I came from an environment before I joined Centric that was very formal. You know, I actually had wallpaper and curtains on my office. And so going from that environment to centric, which was entirely virtual, there were some lessons learned that I'll, I'll share with you today. Uh, but also, you know, we work with clients across the country implementing remote working. And so these are some of the key things that we see that really make this work. And this is really more tool agnostic. Yes, we're talking about teams today, but I think these really apply to any working environment. First thing is trust each other. You know, Mike just mentioned leadership. I mean, to me, it starts with leadership. If you don't trust your team to work remotely, your chance of success is gonna be very minimal. It's gonna change the way that people interact. But at the same time, you have to trust each other. I mean, you're not gonna be seeing people face to face. You know, you have to be able to lean on your team wherever they are uh, and make this thing work. A lot of organizations are dealing with this right now. And we, we've dealt with companies where this has been a huge change for them. And so that, that's, I think, quite big. Establish a routine and a working space. To me, Okay, I'm ADD, as those, those colleagues of mine at Centric would know. It's very important for me to have a work environment, and I'm coming to you from my office in Richfield, Ohio, right now. But, you know, having that with that working space where you're free from distractions, where you don't have family members and children and dogs and things running in out the room is important so you can focus on work. I think the routine is important to me, too. Uh, you know, I still keep the same office hours I've always kept, but I'm doing it remotely from my office right now. But there's a flip side to this. Um, there was an, a study that was published recently that said that remote workers typically work four days additional a month than people that are working on site. And to me, that routine works both ways. And so you can't, it, it, it's not just to be you know, eight or five in the office. You've got to think about making space for yourself, making space for family. And I think particularly in these trying times with Corona, we have to make sure that we, we, we're socially balanced too. Be understanding. So the big piece of that for me is, you know, the remote workforce is much more relaxed. I'm, I'm sitting in my, my front room in my house right now. Mike's sitting in his house. You know, it, naturally, clothing's going to be different. Things will be different. Um, one of the advantage of workplace, and actually, we were on an internal call yesterday where one of our colleagues was saying, well, I'm going to step outside the back garden, which is really not something that happens in Ohio right now, but in Miami, Florida, 
it's a great thing. And so you're going to get background noises. You're going to get dogs barking and things like this. And it's just understanding that the environment's going to be different. And in many respects, it's going to be more relaxed and less formal than the business environment. You know, with all of this, I think it's important to connect personally. Um, one of the things that we do at Centric a lot is we use video. We're using video right now. And you can see me waving my arms around. Um, no, but to me, that's an important part of this. Some of the social tools that we use today in the env environment, like email and chat, and even Teams chat, you can't, you can't judge emotion behind this. And so, you know, to me, in teleconference and video conference, not only do you have that face-to-face -face contact, Mike sees more than enough of me over video conference all the time, <laughs> but you, you do have that human interaction and humans are emotional beings. And I think, you know, to me, that that face-to-face -face contact, even though it's virtual, is an important connection that we have. You know, the next one I'd say is be present. Um, I'm guilty of this, and actually, video helps actually. But you know, in the world of remote working, it's really easy to be doing multiple things at once. You're on a you're on a meeting with your team members. There's a regular stand-up going on. You can answer emails. You can do other things in the background. I think it's important, you know, when you to be present in that conversation. Your colleagues will know if you're not, and so will you. And the last thing I'd say is don't forget to have fun. I mean, particularly now, we're all remote. Uh, but, you know, it can be, for a guy who's obviously an extrovert, this feels like I'm in solitary confinement sometimes working from home right now. But, you know, what things that we do at Centric actually is virtual happy hours and virtual lunches and things like this where you can interact with your team. And so, you know, make it fun. I think that, that's all very important too. We'll, we'll, we can talk more about this when we get into the Q&A section, but I'm going to pass it back to Mike. All right. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, there's just so much that we could cover just on this uh, human behavior side. And I'll tell you that just uh, anecdotally, this is supported from the top down at Centric all the way to the very bottom. And where I'm talking about that is just as an example over the weekend, one of the senior leaders of Centric is on a webinar with about five of us. And he's sitting in his home office and we're all just very chill, uh, very relaxed atmosphere. And that has really encouraged the, the building of our culture here at Centric. So just because you have this remote workforce and you have the tools like Teams out there, you can continue to have a, a, a wonderful culture in your organization. But it really has to come from the top leadership all the way to the middle leadership, all the way to the very bottom. People need to really embrace this, this technology. And what I'm showing right now is I'm not even going to talk through uh, through all of this because I think everyone that's on this webinar today, uh, I bet 90, 99% of you has seen something like this thing that uh, Mary, as a new uh, transformed remote worker, is going through. Having a, a tool that you can access from anywhere at any time and not just depend on the written word, but now depending on the, the visual cues that people offer and the audio cues that people offer as far as what's going on in their life. It's no longer just how is the person performing at work? How are well are they at completing their tasks? It is, are they healthy? Are they healthy physically? Are they healthy mentally? And if you are just dependent on those uh, written words, you're never gonna capture those types of challenges. So what Mary has here is the same things that all of us have probably seen in the last few weeks, or at the very least, least, we have heard of people with issues like this. But Teams is just one of those abilities to enable that continued engagement uh, across your workforce. And what I do wanna highlight on this slide is that the very bottom, this is using Teams live events, where you can have a company-wide uh, live event and a presentation and a Q&A, kind of like what we're doing with this uh, go-to webinar. As an aside, Microsoft Teams could have been used for this. It has very similar capabilities as far as the presentation, the audio, the video, the Q&A, but it doesn't have some of those other analytics that we like to use when we're trying to engage with some of our external entities. But for internal live events in particular across our organization, live events is a great tool for that. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're sitting at home like Phil and I are currently, or sitting out on you in your car and uh, waiting for your kid to come out of uh, a doctor's office or something. You can use it to both hear and see the presentation, but also if you're a presenter, you, there's nothing stopping you from presenting while you're sitting on that mobile device. So the mobile app for Teams is like amazing. And then the last part is 
again, don't just think about this as a tool for work stuff. Uh, tonight, I'm actually hosting a webinar through the use of Microsoft Teams for our local veterans groups. So being able to use a tool like this outside of the workforce to continue that human engagement, that human act interaction is, is wonderful. So at this point, we've talked a lot, and I think we're ready to jump over to our Q&A. Jennifer, what do you got for us? All right. I'm looking for a way to leverage Power Automate and maybe forms to request teams with an approval by one Office 365 group for centralized approval. I'm not sure, but do you want to touch on Power Automate, Mike, and leveraging uh, that? So actually, a more appropriate person would be Venus on this one because she has done something very, very similar to this and has taken it from just a very basic site request system to something that is much more advanced that can actually uh, provision the site as well as a whole bunch of other things. So I don't wanna steal your thunder on that, Venus. Why don't you take that? Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, so certainly, yes. You can start with a basic form that basically logs the information into a SharePoint list. And then behind the scenes, you can create a um, flow or the Power Automate to take that information, route that information to the appropriate approvers, whether that be the requester's uh, manager or you know a group in IT. And what you can also do is, once that request is approved, you can have it automatically provision a team site for that requester and you can notify the requester, the manager, or whoever that needs to be notified that that team has been provisioned. And all of that behind the scenes, the data is logged into that SharePoint list so that you can see when the work was started, who did what, and the status, whether that request was rejected or approved, and if the team was um, provisioned for it. Yeah, the other thing I'd like to just highlight on that is Having the ability to create teams is very important. How much you really want to automate, especially how quickly you need to get teams out there, you need to consider those. But then the last part is don't forget about how do I get rid of these teams? Do I put some type of group expiration policy on some of these teams? Do I have some type of uh, periodic review of teams just to make sure that they just don't sit out there forever and suddenly you have all these, this team sprawl? Thanks, guys. Jennifer? Let's move to the next question. Can you share anything about HIPAA compliance with Teams is a question. Yeah, so HIPAA compliance, we're working with several different healthcare organizations currently. Microsoft Teams is HIPAA compliant, and there are a variety of different extra security enhancements that you can put on to your Office 365 environment, your Teams environment, to make sure that it meets all of your internal regulatory or security requirements as well. So definitely is. So just as a good example that I always like to use when I'm talking with the healthcare uh, industry is I'll take Teams on my mobile app and I'll take a picture of something that would mimic essentially a patient or a, a wound on a patient or something like that and show them that that picture is actually stored securely within Microsoft Teams and is not even located on the, the phone itself. Thanks. Next question, what are your recommendations for a very rapid deployment? I'm sure this one isn't just the submitters question. There's many of our customers and uh, friends, yeah. colleagues, all of them are asking this Definitely. one. So I'll cover my piece of it and then see if uh, Phil or Venus wants to jump in as well. So to me, don't overthink it. Uh, you can do this quickly. Normally in a, a regular world uh, where crazy things aren't going on, it would, we would recommend it to be much more intentional, to include a lot more adoption and change management, to include uh, a deeper analysis of uh, governance. But in this case, don't overthink it. If you wanna support remote workers, get the bare minimum out there quickly. So that would require to get your tenants set up, get your accounts put out there, get your licenses that you want to enable for all your different users. Uh, you would need SharePoint, OneDrive and Teams, obviously, and then make sure that you enable your chats and meetings. Some additional things that you could consider is your audio conferencing. You could also consider some possible security enhancements if required by your company. But every time you add these extra enhancements and automation, 
it slows down the process. So what we have in place at Centric is a rapid two-day deployment that includes basic tenant setup, your accounts uh, being set up, your licenses being set up, and then enabling all of the key functions and, and applications, uh, workloads across your Office 365, and then configuration of some basic teams to support those remote workers. So it can be done very quickly uh, if you have people that actually have, have done it and are familiar with the overall uh, platform. Venus or Phil? I'd agree with Mike. When you're doing the deployment, don't overcomplicate it. And so we're thinking of, of the human aspect of this, which is where I spend my world. I mean, obviously, communicating people to understand what's required, how to install the system, how to use it. And so some basic training. And there are some really, really good tools out there. We have some tools. Microsoft has some really good tools as well. And I think making sure that just people understand the basic navigation. The advantage to Teams is it's not excessively complicated. And as Mike said, if you keep it simple for your first rollout, it's basic functionality, how to do chats, how to, how to conduct meetings, how to do video conferencing, things like that. It's pretty easy to get up and running. Next question, and I'm just going to keep these moving, guys, because we're getting a lot. Um, can you provide any advice for someone who is moving from Skype to Teams? My recommendation is go all in. If you start using the islands uh, mode and you have some people on Skype or they can use both, uh, it just causes frustration. People get confused between when do I use Skype, when do I use Teams, go all in. Get rid of your Skype, get over to Teams. You're gonna have to do it anyway by uh, July 31st, 2021. Just go go all in. It's, it's a painful thing whether you do it slow or rapidly. My recommendation is rip the Band-Aid off fast get to uh, to use the tool as needed and integrate your video stuff and your chat stuff all within Teams instead of having it located in two different places. Agree. All right, um, next question. Do you think that the built-in camera on most laptops is okay or is a dedicated webcam advisable given that we may have remote work for a long time? Uh, for me, whether it is on your laptop or on your phone, that's good enough. In, in today's world, don't invest in all these extra things. If though from your company headquarters, maybe you still have a physical location there, you want to do these live events, having a, a higher quality camera could help in that. But for the average worker and the average worker, I'm talking from the CEO on down, your laptop video is it's good enough in today's world. And that even goes for when you're working with external clients. People are gonna become accustomed to this new norm and having this high quality feed and high quality cameras, it's just not necessary any longer. Our world has changed. I mean, just to add that, I don't know what the quality like for you. I'm using a laptop camera right now. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with Mike too. The, the, more, the more you use the high tech stuff and the, the high bandwidth, it's going to soak up network and what we find and the reason venus isn't on video today by the way is she doesn't have the bandwidth at home yep and so you know if, you, if you're trying to use the high-tech stuff it, you're just going to get caught up i think so i think laptop is perfectly fine yeah i'd say the majority of our team members are all using their laptops and we've been using teams exclusively uh, would, for two me, years yeah i'll add one piece to that though it's less about quality video it's more about quality audio so you will find uh, if you, <laughs> yeah, if if you are dependent on just your audio, your microphone on your laptop for many situations, many different work environments, it's not going to be good enough. So for me, I never do my meetings without my headphones any longer and with a good mic that reduces some of the background noise as well. The risk of stretching this answer out if you're using laptop, don't use blur background. There's a reason I don't have blur background on. It soaks up your audio. This is a, a useful ah, tip. I didn't know that. Good tip. All right, keeping it moving. How does licensing work for the free trial? Are there any limitations on company size? No, I'll take that one. So yeah. the um, the free trial that I mentioned, there is um, a, a seat limitation. So um, if you go through us, where we configure your tenant for you and basically set up teams for you from the start. You have a 1,000 seats limit. Now, if your organization is larger than 1,000 users, um, you can contact Microsoft and you can use the Office 365 E1 trial. 
That one is also good for six months, but there are no limits on the use of seats. The other uh, requirement here is that you don't already have Office 365 for the trial, or you have Office 365 with, with Exchange Plan, uh, Exchange Online Plan 1 or Plan 2. And oh, one more thing. Good point, Mike. Um, if you have already um, went through and started a free trial and then you basically looking for an extension for six more months, that is also um, not you're not going to be qualified for that either. All right. Thanks. Next question. I work in operations and my team is in constant communication. We rely heavily on Outlook and being able to archive and trace previous emails. How can I keep this level of communication and traceability when transitioning to Teams? So Teams, the nice thing about Teams, among a whole bunch of other things, is if you set up a team for your group. So let's say I have a project that is for enabling remote workers. I set up a team called remote worker enablement. And by having that team set up, I can track conversations about that project. I can track documents about that project. So I have some traceability there. The difficulty comes into play when people start doing just one-on-one -on -one chats or one-to-many that are outside of a team. As soon as you do that, it becomes more of a, a personal conversation and it's no longer owned, essentially owned by one of these larger teams where you can track and, and go back in historical information about what's going on. So for me, putting it into a, a, a team and a channel is the appropriate place in order to enable that. In addition, Venus, I know there are some capabilities for labeling some of this, and I don't know if that plays into, into this question or not. Well, there are um, also something I want to add about the traceability. Microsoft has the built-in um, content searches and e-discovery and auditing that you can also run to track down even those personal conversations between two individuals. You can also have that um, quote-unquote audit behind the scenes if you are looking for them. And then the last part is you can always turn off the ability for people to delete or edit their own messages. Team owners can do those things, but you can turn that off at the uh, the team level uh, itself. All right, thanks guys. Moving on to the next question. What are the collaboration tools that you have used successfully with teams such as Planner, Whiteboard, et cetera? What are other add-ons that you'd recommend? One of the things that we found within the world of Centric is you know, don't overlook co-authoring. I mean, it's not necessarily a plugin, it's just a key feature, but it's huge within the Teams and O365 environment. Uh, as a virtual company, it's, it's something we use day in, day out. Uh, there are some really, really good plugins. A couple that, that, that come to mind are Innovate and Mural, uh, sorry, InVision and Mural, a couple of Teams plugins. They're great for brainstorming. One of our team members here in Cleveland actually was facilitating a strategic planning session yesterday with a client using the Mural tool, and it's just like a virtual whiteboard. It's great, great for brainstorming. Michael, have you got any thoughts? Michael B? Um, I've seen JIRA. If you guys um, you know, manage projects in JIRA, for example, Teams has the already built-in to connect to JIRA in the cloud or JIRA um, server as well. And uh, my take it on it is Planner uh, definitely has some very good use cases within Teams. I wouldn't overuse it. It doesn't replace a larger project management tool like Microsoft Project. But for smaller groups where you're just trying to manage tasks at an individual level across maybe a group of around 10 people or so, just so that everyone has a view of, of who's doing what on the project and being able to move tasks from one phase to another, Planner definitely uh, serves a, a great purpose there. As far as other plugins for a remote worker, it's not a plugin, but what I would encourage is the surfacing of information more so than the plugins. So some of that information might be along the lines of your intranet. If you want to keep your workers into your team environment because it's that single place, that single workplace where they go, put put some thought and some intention into what are my different tabs that I'll have in these different teams that are the most relevant and important information to our our workforce. So at Centric, we put up a team that is specific just to the coronavirus and how we're dealing with it and how we're working with our clients during this. So we built out that team, and it's also an organization-wide communication 
tool out there. So think less, uh, I think, about the, the, the plugins and more about how you actually organize your teams and what information you're presenting to everybody that's, that's going to those teams. Oh, and don't forget the RSS news feeds. It's a nice tool <laughs> to give automatic information to around specific topics within your channels. All right, is it true that channel notifications are turned off by default when you add someone to a new channel? If yes, is there a way for us to post items to a channel yet enforce the users to be notified? This is one of the roadblocks we are facing at the moment, causing users to default back to email. I don't know if it's default or not, but I know that you can, by default, when you create a channel, default it so that it is shown uh, for every every member. Now they can always go back uh, and hide it, and they can always go back and change their notification settings. But as far as what is the default, I'm not real sure. I would just go back to the point of education. Notifications is one of those features within Microsoft Teams that is most people pay very, very little attention to, but it actually has one of the biggest impacts as far as how well you can operate day to day. So if you turn up your notifications too much, then you get overwhelmed and you probably get frustrated. If you turn down those notifications too much, you don't get the information that you really need to or that people are trying to communicate uh, with. So it goes back to repeated uh, education and continual education and reminders of how the, the tool can be used. Thank you very much. What are some of the best practices for setting up a team versus a channel? in general control and prevent this from becoming a mess. Ooh, I remember <laughs> those days. Um, I'm just gonna throw out there that this is definitely an evolution and as people get best, so I'm, I'm jumping in before anyone answers, people will also learn from their bad mistakes. In the beginning, we had someone day one out of the gate create 19 different channels that could have been consolidated to three on one of our teams and it gave me the worst anxiety ever. So we definitely relate to the pain and I'll let you guys jump in with some, some tips and best practices. Yeah, I I would say that it's it's more of an art than a science. There are some best practices around, you know, putting a new team in place if you need to guard information. But now that you have private channels within teams, you can actually guard insensitive information through the use of private channels. Um, there's definitely some considerations and concerns I have around private channel use themselves, but you can get past some of that. So go into the, 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 the real foundation to the question. For small work groups, putting a team together of five, 10 people, and suddenly people create too many, too many channels within the team, it's not that significant. Where you really run into the problem is when you start getting to, into larger groups of people within a team. In those cases, you need to be very intentional about setting up those channels within the team. Don't just do it overnight or get you know three people together and they just say, oh, let's create channels A through Z. Get the group of people together, really talk about the different use cases of it, and then on top of that, manage who can create channels and who can delete channels. So as a team owner, you can turn it on so that all members can create channels. For larger groups in particular, you don't want that. And also you don't want them to be able to delete channels or edit those channels. I no, also want to add, um, not just the channels themselves, but at the team level, what we talked about um, is locking down who can create teams to begin with so that yeah. you don't have team sprawl either. Yeah, great point. All right, next question. Someone wanted to know if Teams is a viable option in the telehealth world. So in the last few days, uh, there's been a lot of uh, news on this and Teams is being used for telemedicine today. There, there's no doubt about that. And as I recall from talking with Marcy within Centric, she is part of the healthcare vertical that we have and also is a, a doctor. And, they are relaxing some of the requirements as far as the use of different types of tools in order to enable better healthcare. So with that relaxation, uh, I think is gonna open up opportunities to use tools like Teams. And there was also a bot that uh, just came out like a week ago 
and it actually helps people to determine based on their symptoms, the bot is asking the person questions within Teams, it can actually uh, help you figure out, are you likely, have you likely come down with the, the coronavirus? And it also can do a handoff to a human as far as what are the next steps to take in triaging that person. Thanks. Next question, what are ways to measure effectiveness or utilization during the trial period so that it supports a business case post rapid deployment? So we do this a lot when we, we roll out roll out teams and we use we actually use the O365 metrics hub, which is brilliant for giving you information. It doesn't tell you what people are doing, but it tells you how they're using the tool. So you can see, for example, how many licenses you've implemented, how many people have actually logged in in the last couple of days, how many people, how many chats are consumed and things like this. And I think it's important to think about why you're doing it. I mean, obviously, today we're faced with a very different circumstance. We're, we're all working from home, and that in itself is an enabler, enabler. But, you know, if you think of business cases, we had a client recently that wanted to eliminate email, eliminate email use, and they wanted to eliminate in-person meetings or reduce in-person meetings. So you have to measure it. And so one of the things that these guys did was they were measuring how many people were attending meetings in conference rooms. And then when they rolled out Teams, they were literally keeping a log on this kind of stuff. And interestingly enough, they're probably nine months into it and they're demolishing conference rooms now because they're finding that Teams is a great, it's just replacing it. But I think, yeah, think about how you want to do it. I mean, I think, and I would encourage you, take a look at the metrics inside O365 because they, they that in itself has some very, very good tools. Micah, do you want to add anything for that? You know, the numbers and the graphs, you know, that you see in the dashboard directly within the Microsoft uh, Office 365 reports page. Those are valuable. Also, the same types of and more detailed metrics that you can get within the Microsoft 365 usage Power BI add-on. Those are really useful. But all they're going to do is show you numbers and trends. So maybe as you've implemented Office 365 and remote workers, suddenly their email uh, numbers go up quite a bit because now they're no longer having those face-to-face -face interactions. And once you deploy Teams, maybe your email usage starts to go down and your Teams chats and meetings go up. That's great, but what you those numbers still are not telling you is how, how much do people like it? Have you actually gone out and surveyed them and said, what are your pain points? We put this tool out here, you're obviously using it, but how can we make it better? And by doing that, you're getting the feedback from the end users they're forced into using this tool in many ways, but um, get the feedback from them and say, yep, we're forcing you to use this, but how can we do better? What can we do is from an educational perspective, maybe from a functionality perspective to help you out? So it's not just about tracking numbers and graphs, it's acting on those. And I think you can only do that by asking, you know, more qualitative questions rather than just these strictly quantitative measurements that you get from the graphs. Yeah, I think that's great. And just to add one more piece there, I think, um, if you th think of how we are, what we're all dealing with right now, um, we're all working remotely and you get to more of the social question, perhaps, of how connected people are feeling. And so you know, we, we sometimes use emotional surveys. How connected do you feel to your team members? And actually we did this last year when we did a global rollout of teams for an organization. And one of the things they were dealing with was their global sales team were in many, many countries. And so we asked the question, how well do you feel connected to your team? How well do you feel that you can share information? And, and then we sort of before and after. And when we got the Teams, when we rolled out Teams, we asked the same set of questions and it went geometrically up. And so, the, yeah, can you attach a business case to it? No, but you can, you can attach your, a social feedback to it as well. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, next question. Many vendors like Dialpad are offering their teleconferencing solutions for a free trial period to help organizations get through this time period. Are you aware of any pricing options being offered to allow for a quick deployment? And are there any in or outbound options for dialing? As far as Microsoft goes, I know that you can enable your audio conferencing and that is on a, a per user basis in some cases, or you can do the packages. But as far as free ones or the discounts, I'm not aware of those. But what I would suggest, though, is not necessarily everybody needs the, the dial-in capability. So think about this. Let's say you had these. Are, I'm just going to pull numbers out of, out of my hat. Let's say you have 1,000 people in your organization, but only 10 people are the ones that are really 
highly involved in setting up these different meetings and talking with people. Those people that set up the meetings, they're the ones that need those dial-in phone numbers because when they set up the meeting, it goes into your meeting invite and it says dial in to this number. Anyone can dial into it. So getting those people assigned these numbers for these dial-in uh, audio conferencing capabilities is what's really needed the most, not necessarily assigning every single person across your organization with those dial-in numbers. So that's one way that you can definitely reduce the cost. But I'm not aware of, of the actual um, uh, discounts or free packages that might be out there. Thanks, Mike. One of our attendees had the question asking if Phil could repeat what happens with the blurred background um, and bandwidth. So can you recap about the recommendations with the, the blurred background, Phil? Sure, happy to. So um, I, I can't demonstrate it today because we're using a different tool, of course, but within the, the video conferencing function within, within Teams, you can actually log in and you can blur your background. So what I can make it do, for example, is hone in on me, but blur all these nice pictures you see of Yorkshire, where I grew up, behind me. Um, now, but what, what I found, and I live in a rural area, Richfield, which is about 15 miles south of Cleveland, and we don't have the highest speed internet here. And what I find is if I use the blur background function, it uses up more of my bandwidth. And so I get this sort of, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but this very warbly <laughs> max headroom computer type audio. <laughs> It starts to suck up bandwidth, and I find if I turn it off, it works much better. And so it's just a tip, you know, on really bad days when the network's awful, video goes too, and so you have to default to audio. But it's just a tip that we found within the centric folks that, you know, if, if we use the blur background, quite often that can cause a warble in the audio. And so uh, we don't, we tend not to use it. At least I don't tend to use it anymore based on where I am. Thanks, Phil. Next question. In SharePoint now, each department has a site. And some also have subsites or pages for individual work groups. Would a typical Teams version of this include a department team along with work group teams or work group channels? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at this one. As people start to use Teams, they just become enamored with it. And they're like, wow, this is solving like so many of my problems when I'm collaborating. And gradually people start to think that Teams is the place to go for everything when in reality there's still a need for SharePoint there's still a need for OneDrive and all three of those teams OneDrive and SharePoint they all interact together and in order to have a, a full teams capability you need all three of those and in terms of SharePoint still there's still a need for SharePoint in terms of that is a location where you can have your authoritative information. That's not necessarily as collaboration oriented. It's more of a communication. This is where you go to get your HR policies. This is where you go to view your intranet um, if it was a SharePoint online based one. So those still serve a purpose. But as far as if I had a set of sites today, one for a department, one for some sections within that department, there may still be a need for those those SharePoint sites to exist, but at the same time, maybe some of those that are so collaboration oriented, you could convert those into being more team-like and actually putting those into a, a team within Microsoft Teams in order to enable that conversational, in order to enable that collaboration that occurs among that smaller group. But at the department level, HR department, a good example, there's probably an HR department for internal team collaboration. There is probably also a SharePoint site that anyone in the organization can go to for, to get those HR policies. It's not collaboration oriented. It's more information, authoritative information oriented. There may even be an, another team set up so that you can do cross department collaboration. So I have my internal team set up for HR, but maybe I have another team that is, allows me, my HR people to collaborate with my finance people, with my communications people, with my marketing people, things like that. So it, it just requires some analysis and figure out how are you using the tools today and of those which are more collaborative in nature, which of those are more communicative in nature. Thanks, Mike. Okay, next question. Are there any good tools that integrate with the teams for SMS emergency broadcast? Uh, I know that within your Teams environment, you can configure 911. Um, so that way, when somebody does dial 911, it has good localization about where you're at. 
But as far as SMS emergency broadcast, Venus, I don't know if you have the information on that. I don't know that off the top of my head, but um, I don't know. I would lean towards using the org-wide team in that general channel so that everyone is made aware of the, you know, whatever message that is going to be communicated throughout the organization. Because the advantage of having an org-wide team is that the members cannot leave the team. So they're always going to be a part of that. So if communication needs to be sent out, at least they're notified via that channel. Next question. <laughs> I think that my company only uses Teams for internal and go to meeting for external. This is creating confusion. What advice do you have on when to use what and for what purpose? Let me just say anecdotally, in my 18 months since we converted over to Microsoft Teams. At the first one, we, when we first moved over to Teams, I still saw some people every now and then use a, a different meeting capability. But beyond those first couple months, maybe, all I'm aware of us using is Microsoft Teams meetings. And that includes not just for internal facing meetings, but also when we're work, working with our clients. And I think people are becoming more and more used to Teams and the meetings functionality that it is becoming, it's it's gradually becoming common, just like going to GoToMeeting or WebEx or all these different meeting capabilities that are out there. People are just getting used to it. Yeah, I, I can't think of a reason not to use Microsoft Teams meetings at this point, uh, unless you're doing like a webinar like today and you're trying to gather some extra statistics and, and information about your your end users. Thank you very much. My team is wanting to utilize Teams for remote work, but my overall organization is long, unlikely to adopt Teams into its daily activities. Is it wise for my team to use Teams when the rest of our organization will still be using Outlook and Skype? <laughs> All right. I know my answer, but I don't know, Venus or, or Phil. All yeah, right. Go for it. I, I think we're all on the same page, but no, you, yeah, you, you, lead, <laughs> off, you lead off all on commentary. Yeah. Teams, 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 all the way. And the more you get people to, and, and you show them by getting them into a meeting, actually using some of the tools and sharing your, your, your displays about how you're using Teams day to day, they will gradually be sold about, yeah, I probably need to invest a little bit more of my personal time to learn this tool. And so, Teams, Office 365, all that, we started putting in place Teams back in October 2018. I went and did a, a survey across Centric back in August, so about 10 months into it. And the survey basically asked a lot of different questions, those qualitative questions that I was mentioning. And I think the number was 75% of the people said Teams has greatly increased or increased their overall effectiveness and efficiency. Uh, there were still a couple holdouts. There are still a couple holdouts in Centric that they are anti-Microsoft. They are pro-Slack, which is great. I mean, there's I'm not knocking any tools. I'm just saying they were heavy Slack users and they were comfortable with that and they didn't want to adopt to a new technology. So it's a struggle for them. You're always going to have those outliers. Uh, but in the end, trying to figure out how to convince people as individuals that as a whole, our organization will improve if we get more and more people to embrace this technology. And that is when you really achieve that, that success where you have the adoption across your organization and people are shaking their heads up and down like, yeah, this is tremendous. It's, it's helping me so much more. And I can't imagine going back to email. Most of these, just, I don't know, in the last couple of weeks, I'd be on a, a meeting, we're co-authoring and we have our videos up and we're just talking through like preparation for this webinar. And I ask, can anybody imagine not using Teams? Can anybody imagine somebody taking this away from you? Uh, and everybody on the calls are like, oh no, don't do that to me because it, it truly can change how you you, you operate in, in your workplace. Phil? So I agree with Mike. I mean, we we we've actually you know, dealt this with this helping clients implement Teams, and where you get these pockets of holdouts, it creates problems. 
It really does. And particularly when, when organizations are becoming far more networked nowadays. And so the silo structures are, are less. Um, it, I'd, I'd say with, uh, go, go all in. <clears throat> you know, the, the key here is the more people you have on the platform, the more effective it is. And to have pockets that aren't, I think um, you will not get the full benefit as an organization. All right. Thanks. Next question. We deployed to our thousand user organization yesterday teams. I am a collaboration systems engineer that is well known as a team SME. I'm getting inundated with chat asking questions. Would a viable solution be to create a team site for team support or a channel in our corporate team where users would be directed to ask questions and our service desk personnel would monitor? Yes, very much so. But I, I'm going to add one extra thing to help you out. There is this uh, bot that you can install called the FactBot. It's over on GitHub. It allows the end users to interact within your team's environment, ask questions. How do I, what are these things called private chats? How do I create a team? How do I create a channel? How do I do X, Y, and Z? The bot will go back to its little knowledge base and it'll look for those questions and provide an answer back. And then it takes it to the next step and says, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to escalate this to somebody at the help desk. So by doing that for those most common questions, especially, I mean, when you first started, um, when you first deploy teams, people are going to be asking the same questions over and over and over and over. And your IT help desk has to answer those. Having a bot there to ease that workload, but at the same time, offer the ability to hand off to a human is is going to help your IT organization. It's going to help your end users. So these bots are really powerful. Takes a little bit of time to build out your knowledge base and things like that. But as far as installing it, enabling it, pretty straightforward. So check out the FactBot, F-A-Q-B-O-T, over on GitHub. Um, I want to add to that too. In the Teams client on the lower left-hand corner, there's also a built-in help that would probably provide majority of the answers that your users are seeking as well. I mean, just to add to what V's saying there, I mean, Microsoft has made huge strides in Teams help. And if you haven't just clicked on that button that V's talking about, that's got the help function in it, try it. They actually have, um, depending on your licenses, they have embedded videos now, little two minute videos. How do I do X, Y, Z? And it's, it's, it's really, really good. It's really worth looking at. And the last addition to this is if you already have Office 365 and you're pretty comfortable with it, go out and check out Microsoft Learning Pathways. It's a tool to build out uh, very, very quickly a standard training uh, site that is focused on how do I do X, Y, and Z in Office 365. But then on top of that, you can customize it. You say, I'm not deploying Planner, so turn off all of those Planner-related uh, help topics in Microsoft Learning Pathways. And you can also add your own personal branded training that's directly related to your company. So next question is, are the team's conversations saved anywhere similar to discussions in Skype? Yes. So the, um, there are personal hidden mailboxes that are hit um, are stored in uh, Exchange Online. And this is what I said earlier, even if you go with the free trial version of Teams that Microsoft makes available, it doesn't have Exchange Online component to it. But when you have conversations, whether that is personal one-on-one -on -one or, you know, in a group chat or within a Teams channel, for example, all of that information is stored in the Azure Cloud um, in Microsoft. Um, obviously cloud space and obviously because it is hidden um, if you need to do anything with that like perform legal hold or doing content searches at a later time uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, Microsoft has the Office 365 tools in e-discovery or the content searches that you can perform to capture and keep that data if you need to turn it over for litigation purposes, for example, you can do that. Thanks, Venus. I'm gonna go ahead and um, shift over just to our quick wrap up and tell you guys where you can find us 
Um, if you need to connect or if you want to follow more helpful tips and, and articles that we share to get a hold of us, you can certainly email. Um, it will go to all three of the speakers, teams at centricconsulting.com, and then the appropriate contact can reach out to you directly. You can also go to our Twitter at Centric, and you can find us, and, and we constantly are sharing different content, thought leadership, et cetera. And, of course, you can learn more about Centric at centricconsulting.com. Thanks so much for you guys um, attending. We appreciate spending time with you this afternoon. Happy Friday. Enjoy, for some of you, your very first fully remote uh, work-from-home week. And uh, we hope that those of you with children and dogs haven't gone absolutely bonkers if you haven't yet adjusted to that. And uh, we're here if you need us. Um, we'll get through this together, guys. Talk yeah. soon. Thank you, Take everybody. Stay, stay healthy. Definitely. Thanks, everyone. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks for listening.